sinner now saved, blood washed by the Lamb, my brother's a king, the son of I am, sometimes I forget to whom I belong, then the sweet spirit Page number 333 this morning. Page number 333 in your red songbook. All three verses today. Bye. 
requests and then I'll ask James to take it to the throne room of grace. I know you've been praying for uh, Brother Johnny's family. I appreciate so many folks who were able to come through last night. Pray for the services this afternoon. Two other things I want to bring to your attention. Of course, continue to pray for Courtney and Cameron and the new baby. Uh, uh, she had the baby Thursday. All are doing well at her and at home. Pray for Sister Margaret Bocock, one of our shut-ins, uh, who is in Martinsville Hospital now in room 534. Pray for Sister Margaret Bocock, uh, former deacon's wife at our old facility. So pray for that, uh, that one, if you would. And then also Brother French shared with us this morning that he had a brother to pass away this week. So pray for that family. We need the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen? If we're here, we need him here. James, you take us to the throne room of grace, son, if you would. Pray for us, buddy. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here. Lord, we don't take it lightly that you have not only given us this facility and the, the, uh, the amenities that come with it, but, Father, we are grateful that we have the privilege to come and worship you. Father, Amen. we thank you for giving us your son to die for us. Father, we know that without him, we would have no hope, no That's purpose, right. no meaning. Father, we are grateful, and Father, in ways that we can never express for making us your people, your church. Father, we do pray that as, as the choir sings and as the, uh, and as the other songs are sung, Father, we pray that your spirit would, uh, would lift our hearts and our minds up towards you and your son. Father, may you give us the ability, Lord, to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray for the preaching of the word to come, that your spirit would just go out in power to draw hearts. Father, most importantly, we do pray that if someone here has not bowed that knee to Christ, Father, we pray that you would draw them to yourself and that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, we love you, and we can never thank you enough. And it's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this, this morning. Thank you so much for being here. One of the great tragedies of life are some of the things we have to face as believers. But I'm so glad this morning that we learn about the presence of God and all the benefits that come from being his child. You listen now as uh, Brother Ken sings, Sweet Things Out of Dark Places. I think about this song a lot. You know, a lot of people do go through some dark times. We don't look forward to those dark times. But I've learned in my own life that a lot of times it's those dark places that we learn a lot of lessons. Lessons aren't learned on the mountaintop experiences oftentimes, but it's oftentimes when we're in the valley. In that dark time where we're struggling and battling things and thinking about giving up and thinking about quitting, and God wraps his arm around you begins to love on you, reminds you how good he is to you, he said everything's going to be all right. Pray for us as we sing this song.
right, thank you so much, choir. Well done this morning. We want to welcome you out to the church. Thank you for being with us on this Sunday morning. If you're visiting, man, we are delighted to welcome you out. You've never been more welcome than what you are this morning, and we hope you're here to worship the Lord because that's why we're here this morning. Amen? Let me give you some quick announcements this morning. First of all, I need to make a correction in your bulletin. Uh, there will be no evening services tonight, no evening services this evening. Of course, uh, we're celebrating the homegoing of Brother Johnny Martin at the church today at 2 o'clock. Uh, the burial will be in Woolwine to follow the service. Choir will be singing. Choir, we ask you to be in your place at 145. We'll have chairs sitting out for you. Uh, again, I want to say thank you to those who were able to come out last evening and uh, show their respects to the family. Uh, just a tremendous crowd that came out yesterday uh, in honor of Brother Johnny, and we are sure grateful for that. You pray for the services today. Pray especially for Jeannie and uh, Brother Johnny's son, Mark, and the rest of the family. I uh, had a wonderful, wonderful, I'll share this. Uh, more today at the service, but Mark pulled me aside last night and said, Preacher, I don't want you to preach tomorrow afternoon about my dad. Everybody knows how good my dad was. Everybody knows what a good man he was, but I want you to preach about heaven tomorrow and preach about how he needs to be, how folks need to be saved. Uh, nothing would honor my dad more than somebody coming to know the Lord on the day of his homecoming celebration. So you pray for services today. I remind you that coming up uh, tomorrow is our night at Fellowship of Christian Athletes with Patrick Henry Community College. Local churches take a month, and ours is tomorrow night. We will be meeting at 6 o'clock up at Frith Hall. We invite you to come with us. Frith is the building up on the hill. If you drive up to the college, come to the stop sign, turn left, drive all the way up the hill. Uh, you will see Frith Hall. We are meeting at 6 o'clock up there. We'll be having a time of devotion, and then we'll also be feeding the athletes. Uh, they have polled the athletes, and uh, they're anticipating about 90 to come. I will tell you, this is a little bragging point. Uh, they always polled the athletes. Athletes, but SAGBC night always pulls the most because we have the best food. I'm just saying. Um, so we all we're anticipating quite a crowd tomorrow. We are needing some help with this. Uh, we need uh, eight women who would be willing to make a pot of soup. Uh, if you would see Miss Renee immediately after church this morning uh, and let her know that uh, we are feeding soup and sandwiches and desserts. And it doesn't matter how much food we bring, we always run out. Uh, because of those athletes. In fact, we keep telling them to come back and uh, take as much as they want after everyone has been served. So help us out with that if you would. You can deliver this one of two ways. You can have it to the church here tomorrow uh, by 4.30. And let's have the teen room open. Can we get the teen room open for folks to put that in? Or if you'd want to take it up to Frith, you can do it by 5 o'clock. That's in your bulletin. 4.30 tomorrow in the teen room or by 5 o'clock up in Frith Hall. We would sure appreciate your help with that. And then, of course, we're still needing the desserts. You can see Miss Renee uh, or Miss Susan about that as well. Reminder, right after the services this morning, there will be a meeting with interested senior saints to discuss your 2019 trips. Uh, that's a 50 and above or your spouse is 50 and above or you're close to thereabouts we don't check ID or anything like that so uh, if you're interested in perhaps going on one of the trips this year they're looking at various trips including a trip to the National Quartet Convention in September a couple of barn dinner theater trips they've got some gospel shows that are coming up several things are in the works this year and uh, brother and sister up church will go over all of that information with our senior saints right after services this morning uh, in the teen room yes me meeting in the teen room, so please keep that in mind. This coming Thursday, uh, our ladies meeting here at the church, I'm calling it ladies meeting, but it is really for girls, teens, ladies, young adults, females, uh, anyone of the female persuasion, I'm going to leave it right there in the political climate that we're in, 
Uh, but uh, you come on uh, Thursday night. Mr. Renee is going to be talking to you about our upcoming Ladies' Jubilee. You'll have a meal, some devotion time together. You'll enjoy that. It begins at 6 o'clock. You all starting here in the sanctuary, the t- starting in the sanctuary, so keep that in mind. Let me also say a big thank you to uh, those who have pledged and already given money for our sign campaign. That continues to go uh, through uh, our pledges we are continuing to take through uh, February the 24th with all funds due by March the 31st. Even if you submit your money at the same time, uh, I would ask you to complete the form that is in your bulletin so that we've got a record uh, for our uh, 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 plat that we'll do outside. You may have noticed in the Martinsville bulletin, uh, if you took a look at it, Brother Johnny had specifically requested that in lieu of flowers, folks make donations to our sign fund, uh, which I thought was just precious, and so we're uh, honored that he would do that. So you keep that in mind if you would. And then the young adult uh, activity that was scheduled for last night has been rescheduled for February the 23rd at 6.30. Finally, keep that. I just ran out of space in the bulletin. We got so much going on, I couldn't put it all in there. Uh, We're having our wedding breakfast shower for Brianna and Travis Sunday, February the 24th. So please keep that in mind as well. All right, let me get all the little ones that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church this morning. Make your way down. If you are visiting, they're going to come around, collect any loose change you got. This supports our kids and ladies programming here at the church. Take off, young folks. Everybody heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on, make your way this morning.
your change this morning includes the $52 that Brother Coe had left behind. His uh, son David had brought it over, so we're, we appreciate that so much. And then I got two more quick announcements. Uh, this was uh, a pair of glasses uh, left in my Sunday school class downstairs. Uh, if these, no, I have an office full of readers that people leave behind, and I just claim them as my own. Because, you know, when you get old, you get blind. Somebody say amen. But these are a nice shade of pink. I'm not going to claim these as mine. So if these are yours, these are up here. And then uh, I think most of you saw Zach and Ashley this morning. Uh, uh, we knew this last time they were here, but we couldn't announce it until she had announced to her family. Ashley is expecting. So we got another new one on the way. Amen. I can't wait to see Zach get fat. Amen, fellas. Come on and make your way down, if you would, please. Brother Scott, you come get ready to sing for us this morning. That's what I say to my wife all the time. I haven't lost my weight from James and Lydia. Come on, fellas. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings this morning. God's good. Amen. Mary heart doeth good like medicine. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today and to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon our lives. Lord, sometimes hearts get heavy when we have to say goodbye to loved ones. Yet at the same time, we look around and we see your handiwork and we know that you do all things well. Bless now our offering, Brother Scott, as he sings in Christ's name. Amen. It starts with a desire Planted deep within your heart You pray in faith and wait for God to move Time passes and you wonder Did he hear me when I called? Should I even have prayed that prayer at all? You never pray a prayer Father will not answer. He can't ignore his child's earnest request. While you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, trust God if he says no, you're still blessed. There must be a time when childlike faith must graduate to trust trials come and you're convinced you're on your own but the teacher's often silent when you're in the hardest test but he'll answer when it's time with what is best you'll never pray your father will not answer. He can't ignore his child's earnest request. While you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, trust God if he says no, you're still blessed. There must be a
time page 120 in your red book 243 in your blue book victory in jesus will do the first verse and course have a time of fellowship page number 120 in your red book 243 in the blue
Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate it as always. You being kind and displaying Christian love for one another. Uh, very quickly, I've already spoken to a couple of our young men, but right after the services, young teen boys and young adult men, we want to get our chairs out for the choir. If you can help us out, we're putting out the blue chairs uh, for our choir. So if you'd help me with that right after services, we'd certainly appreciate that this morning. Ushers, make your way back down if you would. And uh, we will receive our monthly missions offering. Uh, the uh, chance for you to give as unto the Lord for our missions. And you can keep track of that, of course, over on our left-hand mission board. I'm so proud of all the money that this church puts out into missions. And I think it's one of the reasons God blesses our church. Amen. You pray for the missions offering and also the courts trio as they sing. Lord, bless the missions offering. May it be what you'd have it to be now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go with me always, even to 
the present help in time of need. When this old world has left me all alone, I can feel him walking right by me. of Joshua this morning, please. Chapter number five, the book of Joshua, chapter number five. I invite you also to have ready Exodus chapter 16. We will look at Exodus chapter 16 as we get into the message this morning, but we will begin with Exodus chapter five. I'll read just two verses of scripture this morning, verses 11 and 12. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been looking at a series of messages about claiming our spiritual victory, claiming a victory, studies out of the book of Joshua. This morning, we're going to look at a very specific clause that is mentioned that prepares the Israelites to begin claiming that land that they had been promised hundreds of years ago. So again, Joshua chapter 5, we'll look at verse 11. If you found your place, say amen. Let's read together. They did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day, and the manna ceased. Look at verse 12. And the manna ceased on the morrow after They had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. I'll take directly this morning the title of the message from the first clause found in verse number 12, and the manna ceased. Would you pray with us this morning? Lord, we love you today, and we're grateful for the presence that we've already felt this morning. Lord, you've plainly told us in your word where two or three are gathered in your name. There you'll be in the midst, and we know that you're in the midst of our congregation today. We don't take it for granted. Lord, we come to the hour that is so vital and so critical, surely not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching as the instrument by which men and women would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for hearts that are ready to hear from heaven. So now I ask that you take the outline that I believe you've laid upon my heart and use it. Lord, make me usable this morning so that I might say what you'd have me to say and say nothing that you don't want said. 
Lord, I pray that you would save the lost, draw us all closer to you so that when we walk out of here, we would know that we'd heard from heaven. We love you and we thank you for all that you'll do this morning. In the sweet name of Jesus, I pray, amen. In honor of the upcoming Valentine's Day, I thought you might appreciate a little humor this morning. A farmer who had a vast plantation of ass farm hired a farmhand to help him till the ground and bring in the crops. Unbeknownst to the farmer, the field hand fell in love with a young lady beside of him on the opposite farm. So there was a farm some half a mile away, and the hired hand fell in love with that farmer's daughter some half a mile away. Every evening after the sun was down, the young field hand would grab a night lamp full of oil and trek a half a mile down the road to court this other farmer's daughter. Of course, the farmer that had hired him, he and his wife found this to be amusing for a little while until this went on night after night, week after week, and month after month. One evening, uh, after the sun was set, the farmer comes up to the young farmhand and says, uh, uh, My wife and I see that you are making a trek every evening. We're taking that you have fallen in love with little Susie, uh, the farmer's daughter next door. The farmhand said, Yes, sir, I have. I hope that's all right. Uh, The farmer said, That's just fine. We applaud you, but there's only one thing I'm concerned about. You are taking my lamp full of oil every night. I'm having to fill it uh, once and twice a week. Uh, It's a waste of oil. Uh, The farmer went on to say, When I was courting uh, my sweet lady, uh, I did so in the dark. I never had to worry about the lamp. And he looked at him and said, And look what you got stuck with. Amen. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day to you. Amen. For 40 years, uh, the Israelites uh, roamed the desert waiting to claim the land that had been promised to them by God uh, hundreds of years prior. In each of the succeeding generations from Abraham all the way down, God reiterated that promise. Let me quickly go through them. You don't need to turn in your Bibles, but in Genesis 13, God promised to Abraham the following, for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. To Isaac in Genesis 26, God said, For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all the countries. To Jacob in Genesis 28, he says, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it. To Joseph in chapter 50, verse 24, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swear to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. And even unto Moses in Exodus chapter 6, uh, God says, I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give to you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. These people... Forty years of wandering, only two of the original ones uh, were able to enter in uh, to this new promised land. But this succeeding generation uh, who had spent now 40 years wandering in the desert, tired and weary, uh, are about to cross over into this promised land. This land that Bible says was flowing with milk and honey. I want you to understand this morning that as they crossed into this promised land, there was much work that lay ahead. They were told to subdue the land. They were told to take charge of the land. But they're told in this particular passage, chapter 5, in the two verses that we just read, that there is about to undergo a major change. 
For 40 years, the Israelites had been fed by one source of food. That source of food would be found every morning, save on the Sabbath day. We know that food source to be called what, church? Manna. And now, as the Israelites prepared to leave the desert and cross over into this promised land, their desert diet would cease. We're told in verse number 12, and the manna ceased. Manna, you see, was desert food. Why was it necessary? You understand that as the Israelites, some two to three million people traveled from Egypt and journeyed through the prom- to the promised land through this desert on what should have been six months but became a journey of 40 years because of their disobedience. They had to be fed every day. I don't need to tell you, but to feed two to three million people would have required an enormous amount of food. In response to this need, and in response to even some of the complaining, the Lord miraculously intervened in a supernatural way. He gave them a substance called manna. You know this already. God would send the manna every day as they journeyed through the wilderness. The only exception would be the Sabbath. And on the day before the Sabbath, the Lord sent double the amount of manna so that the people would not have to gather food on their Sabbath day, their day of rest. This morning, I want to examine two thoughts. Why did the manna cease? Why was it necessary for the manna to stop? And more importantly, what does that manna represent to the Israelites? But more importantly, what does it mean to us in 21st century modern church age America? There are three thoughts that we'll look at quickly this morning. Number one, I want you to note with me what the manna pictured. What the manna pictured, represented, or typified. You understand this already. The manna was a gift from God. Nobody did a thing to earn it. Nobody did a thing to deserve it, to understand why it was sent to them. I ask you to turn with me, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 16. Please look with me, if you would, at the book of Exodus, chapter number 16. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. They, and the they there is the Israelites, took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of Israel, of the children of Israel, murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, look at the next clause, church. I will rain bread from heaven for you. I can almost imagine I'm putting a little bit of context in here uh, because you'll note in verse number 3 that the Israelites were moaning and bemoaning the fact uh, that when they were in Egypt, they had all the bread that they wanted. Elsewhere, they would complain about not having other items of food. But here, specifically, they said uh, that when we were in Egypt, uh, we had all the bread we wanted. My mother used to say to me that God has a sense of humor. 
She would say that to me because I used to pick with her all the time, especially when I was a, a teenager. Uh, my mother would have difficulty. She was a choir member, and she would have difficulty seeing the pages. Uh, as she got older, the words got smaller. Can anybody relate? And so as I was a youngster, uh, and mother, before she would get her glasses, she'd hold her choir book further and further and further. Her arms got longer and longer. I used to sit right there on the second row at Wayside Baptist where Joss and Jesse are sitting. And one morning I thought I would be funny. And as the choir got up to sing and mother's arms got further and further back, I held up a choir book from the second row. As if to say, Mama, look right here. You can read the words. Afterwards, she looked at me and she shook her little finger and she said, God's got a sense of humor. Indeed, he does. And I can almost imagine uh, that the Lord, listening to the complaints of the Israelites, said, It's bread you want. It's bread you think you need. I will rain down bread from heaven to show you what kind of God I am. Keep reading if you would. The Lord said unto Moses, verse 4, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. It shall come to pass that on the sixth day shall they prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. You see, folks, the manna was unquestionably unequivocally and without any shadow of a doubt, a gift from God. Would you amen me this morning? The Israelites didn't earn it. They didn't work for it. There's nothing that they did that caused them to deserve it. It was 100% a gift from God. Most of you know this already, but I'll mention it to you. Uh, you see, manna in Scripture is without question a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. Typology is a wonderful thing to study. Sometimes I think we Baptists uh, find types where types are not there. Uh, but there is no doubt in my mind uh, that the manna, the bread from heaven, is unquestionably a type, an Old Testament picture of a New Testament incarnate Jesus Christ. I want to quickly show you this morning seven ways, if I may, that I believe the manna of the Old Testament beautifully represents the Jesus that we serve as New Testament believers. I invite you to turn with me. Same chapter. Look at verse number 14, please. Exodus chapter 16, verse number 14. Notice what Scripture says. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. Seven ways that I want you to see quickly that this manna represented Jesus Christ. Number one, this manna was a small thing. In fact, uh, it's interesting when you note it, uh, Scripture even mentions the fact uh, that there lay a small round thing when the dew would settle and the Israelites would go out, it would appear as if a frost had covered the ground. But when you picked up each individual piece of the bread, it was literally a very tiny, small thing. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, how can that typify Jesus? How can that typify our Savior? After all, isn't he the creator of the universe? I say amen, he is. Didn't he speak this universe into existence? I say amen, he did. But would you hear me? 
When we speak about his incarnate flesh, I believe the smallness of the manna represents the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, he is the creator of the universe. Indeed, he is God Almighty. Yet he took upon himself the robe of flesh. He never one moment cast aside his deity, but he took upon himself the robe of flesh and humbled himself and became a servant so that he might pay the sins of mankind. When you look at Jesus, you do not see a king on a throne but you see a lamb heading to the slaughter of the cross that speaks of his humility it was small not only was that manna small I want you to note with me it was also round it was also round the same verse that we just read makes this very clear that this small thing was also round in its size I don't think that was an accident the Lord could have made manna look like a triangle he could have made it look like a square He could have made it look like an octagon or any other shape he chose, but he chose to make it look like a little round circle. I tend to think they were like donut holes covered in powdered sugar and carb-free. You see, I think that roundness was no accident. If you've had, with those of you who've been in wedding services, you may have heard the preacher say at one time, often during the ring exchange, the preacher will talk about the unity of the ring and how that, that circular nature represents having no beginning and no ending. The eternal nature of marriage specifically typifying the bride, the church, and the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Can I remind you folks that while we the birth of Christ every Christmas, uh, that was his human form he's always been. All you need to do is go back and look in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and you see over and over again, God says, let us, let us, let us. Third person plural pronoun. Uh, How long has he been, preacher? Always. How long will he be, preacher? Always. Uh, That's the reason when Moses was standing by the burning bush uh, and God gave Moses the commandment to go free the Israelites, Moses says, Lord, when I get there, who shall I tell them sent me? Uh, The burning bush did not say, tell them the I was or the I will be, but he says, you tell them the I am, always in the present tense, uh, will send you. Uh, Jesus said to the doubting Israelites uh, and to the doubting Jews and to the doubting Pharisees, uh, before Abraham was, I am. He goes on to say, I am the I am. What does that mean, preacher? That means he's always been, he always is, and he always will be. We never talk about him in the past tense. We don't need to talk about him in the future tense because he's always in time, on time, every time. That's the kind of God he is. Small, round. Notice, not only was the man a small, not only was it round, it was also came at night. It came at night. What does that mean? Go to verse number 13, if you would, please. Came to pass that at even, that means evening, the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. You see, folks, it's very clear to me in these passages that the manna would come during the midnight hours, what we would often refer to as the third watch of the night. You see, in Scripture, a watch for in Roman society was a three-hour time period. The first watch by our time clock would be 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. 
The second watch would be 9 to 12. The third watch would be 12 to 3. The fourth watch would be 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. You understand uh, that the fourth watch of the night is when it is the darkest. It is that 3 a.m., 4 a.m. time frame uh, before the sun has begun to rise uh, that it is the darkest. Uh, I believe it was during that fourth watch of the night uh, that the manna would appear. And when the Israelites awoke, as the sun began to arise, they would scan the horizon and there covering the ground like frost would be this miraculous presence of manna. May I pause just a moment and remind you that according to Luke chapter number 2, Jesus came in a very dark part of this world. He came in a place where there was no pomp, where there was no circumstance. He came to a world that was trapped in darkness. He came to a world that he might give light and give it more abundantly. It came at light. Small, round, came at night. Scripture also tells us that the manna was white. Where do we read that? I'm glad you asked. Look at the same chapter, 16, verse number 31, please. Notice what it says. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. I hope your King James Bible has that capitalized. It matters. The Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white. If you underline in your Bible, I encourage you to underline that word white. Because it speaks to us that the color of this manna was pure, spotless, white. You know, when the Bible says white, it doesn't mean off-white or eggshell white. It means white. In fact, when you look at the coriander seed, uh, it looks about as white as it can possibly be. It was a pure, perfect white. You understand, had the Lord chosen, he could have made it yellow. He could have made it green. He could have made it tie-dye if he would have wanted to. But he chose to make it white. Why? Because I think it's a reminder to us uh, that his only begotten son would be pure. His only begotten son would be perfect. His only begotten son would be sinless. Uh, And in Isaiah chapter number 1, 700 years uh, before Jesus uh, would even appear, Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be like wool, perfectly white as the crimson snow. May I say to you this morning, the only thing, that can take black sin and transfer it into beautiful white is the red blood of Jesus Christ. It was pure, it was white, it was round, it was, came at night. Then I love this. It was also misunderstood by those who found it. It was also misunderstood by those who found it. Go to the verse 15, same chapter, please. Notice what it says in verse 15. When the children of Israel saw it, they said... One to another, it is manna, for they know not what it was. Now go back to the same verse we read a moment ago, verse 31. And Israel, the house of Israel, called the name thereof manna, capital M. You see, folks, we have this image of manna today. We get it. We understand it. It's part of our vernacular. It's part of our vocabulary. But when you translate the word manna, do you know what it means? What is it? It literally means, I have no idea what that is. What is that? And that became the name of it for the Israelites. What is that? What is that? We're having some what is that for breakfast. We're having some what is that for lunch. And we're going to fry up some what is that for dinner. But when you translate what is that, it is translated into the word manna. What does that mean? When the Jews, hear me now, 
when the Jews saw it to begin with, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. It didn't make human sense to them. So they literally called it, what is it? Fast forward to a couple of thousand years later, 1,500 years later, John chapter 1, verse number 11 makes it very clear that Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Paul says it like this. He came to the Jew first, but thank God Paul also adds, but he also came to the Greek. You see, folks, uh, the man was small. It was round. It was misunderstood by, by those who saw it. Number six, I love this. It was sufficient for every single person. <laughs> for 40 years, it was good enough for infants. It was good for toddlers. For 40 years, the leaders ate manna and the followers ate manna. It would take uh, the young boy and transform him to a man by the consumption of manna. It would take a young girl and transfer her uh, into a fine Jewish woman by the consumption of manna. It was sufficient for everybody. Can I pause just a minute and park right here a second and say to you, I don't care where you are, I don't care what you've done, I don't care where you've been, I don't care what you've gotten into, I don't care the mess that you've made, I don't care how good your life has been or how bad your life has been, Jesus is sufficient for you today. Whether you're 10 years old or 100 years old, whether you're male or female, whether you're red, yellow, black, brown, green, polka dot, or striped orange, Jesus is sufficient for your needs. Small, round, white, came at night, sufficient for everybody's needs. Here's my favorite. It was sweet to the taste. Amen. Go back to your text one more time if you would. Notice what it says in chapter 16 again. Verse number 31. House of Israel called the name thereof manna. It's like coriander seed white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. For all of us that love sweets, I say, mm, 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 mm. And for those of you that don't, I say, get saved, 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 saved. <laughs> Amen. It was so sweet to the taste, so much so that I believe that regardless of what your taste buds preferred, manna satisfied. What you had for breakfast, manna was sufficient. What you had for lunch, manna was sufficient. May I say to you this morning, what a beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ to the lost sinner. Sometimes Jesus might appear to be this, this cosmic killjoy uh, who prevents everybody from having fun. May I pause just a moment and say, I spent plenty of time, quote unquote, having fun in the world. It ain't nothing compared to the fun I'm having as a Christian. I've been on, yeah, man, I've been on both sides of the fence. Uh, and my worst day as a Christian uh, is a thousand times better uh, than my best day out in the world. Uh, the songwriter said, uh, the longer I serve him, uh, the sweeter he grows. Uh, and the, the psalmist said uh, that Jesus is sweet to the taste. May I say to you, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord thy God is good. I challenge you this morning, uh, taste him and realize uh, that he's the greatest thing that you've ever had. Number one this morning, what the manna pictured. Good golly, I got to hurry. Number two, what the manna provided. Children of Israel lived on the manna for 40 years. 
want you to think about that. For 13,000 days, Israelites picked up the manna, gathered it, cooked it, and ate it. Numbers chapter 11, don't turn, makes it clear that they tried to create various ways to make the manna more appealing, more appetizing, to change it, if you would, so that it was somehow different. Joshua even mentions the fact that they baked it into cakes, made it like corn. But regardless, uh, spite of what they did with it, the manna, hear me now, the manna was their lifeline. The manna is what kept them alive. But I want you to think about two things this morning when we think about what the manna provided. Hear me now, so important. The only way for them to gather the manna was to bend down and pick it up. Hear me in church. The, the, the only way they could get a hold of the thing upon which their entire life depended was to get on their knees. Hear me in. The only way that they could appropriate or obtain that manna was to put aside their dignity, to put aside their high-mindedness and get down on their knees and gather up that life-giving substance. Not only they have to get on their knees, but you hear me, they had to make the decision to swallow it. Are you with me? You see, all the manna that you needed could be sitting right there in the pot in your house. But you had to make the decision to swallow it. You had to make the decision to ingest it. Yes, it was available. It's almost as if it was sitting there calling out to you, Hey, I've got what you need. I've got everything supplied. I am right here waiting for you. But you've got to be the one to make it happen. The psalmist says like this, Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Would you hear me this morning? I am more convinced than ever. If you're lost today, today is your day of salvation. Don't put off to tomorrow what may not happen tomorrow. Don't put off to next week what you may not have for next week. If you feel the convicting work of God right now, today is your day of salvation. What the manna pictured. What the manna provided. And finally this morning, note with me what the manna promised. I'm done with this simple thought. Desert food was for the desert. They were about to cross over into a land that flowed with milk and honey. That's why the manna had to cease. In fact, will not for the sake of time, you go back and you read what we just read in Joshua. And the moment they began to ingest the fruits, vegetables, and delicacies of the promised land, manna ceased. But for 40 years, listen now, for 40 years, his dads got up every morning and gathered the manna. In the back of their mind, I think God was reminding them, there's a better day coming. Every morning, his moms prepared the breakfast made of manna. In the back of mama's mind, uh, there was a reminder that this is desert food. But in the promised land, there's a better day coming. I said to you from the beginning, uh, there are some who believe that Canaan represents or typifies heaven. I get it. I understand it. Uh, but would you hear me? Uh, I believe Canaan represents victorious Christian living that is available to every man, woman, boy, and girl who names the name of Christ. But I got to be blunt. 
There are far too many believers today who are dwelling on desert food. I meet far too many Christians who God saved them, God pulled them out of Egypt, but instead of crossing over to the land of spiritual victory, they're still wandering in the desert. Yep, they're Christian. I'm not questioning their salvation, but they're not enjoying the best that God has. They're not enjoying that spiritual land filled with milk and honey. You know why? Because they're living on desert food. Don't misunderstand me. He's sufficient for every man's needs, but he did not save us to be miserable. He did not save us to dwell in the pig pits of this society. He did not save us to dwell in the muck and the mire in this world. The psalmist said, he has established my goings and set my feet on a rock to stay. Far too many of us are not living in Canaan. We're wandering in the spiritual desert. So I say two things to you this morning. Number one, if you've never been saved, that man is available for you today. Right now. Today is your day. And I say secondly to the rest of us who are saved. Many of us find ourselves wandering back in the desert from time to time. Don't leave me hanging on the wire. I'm right there with you. But aren't you glad there is the promise of a better day ahead? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're honest with your spiritual condition, where does this message find you? I will ask you two very simple questions this morning. And I will not ask you to raise your hand. But I'll ask you to search your hearts. I'll ask the second part first, actually. If you're here this morning and you know that you're saved, but you're still searching for that place of victory. You battle daily with the sins of your flesh and you're still filling that life with a steady diet of sin. Or maybe your condition is such that you know you need to draw closer to God. In fact, that probably describes most of us. If that describes you, could I implore you to step out right now? You just need to get closer to the Lord. You just need to draw closer to Him. Maybe there's a situation in your life uh, you need that victory that only comes from crossing over into spiritual joy. Folks have already begun to move. Now I'll ask a second question. We will not have a long invitation so I'll ask you to respond quickly. If you're here today and you have never been saved, you've never experienced the free pardon of sin, would you look at me? Would you look right here at me this morning? Anyone? Anyone? May I say to you that Jesus Christ loves you. Loves you so much that he died that you might have full abundance of life. That you might experience the joys of heaven and escape the pits of hell. I would love uh, for you to step out and let me take this old Bible and show you how you can walk out of here a brand new creature in Christ. Brother Ken, sing us one verse this morning. Just one verse. Would you come while Brother Ken sings? I need thee every hour. No tender voice.
we sing this chorus a cappella. Everybody look this way. Let's sing it together. Miss Renee, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Lead us, Brother Ken. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me. Savior, I, I come, come to Thee. Songwriter says it like this, ain't God good? Two quick things, if I could have a couple of young men to help my son and a few others to get the chairs ready for the afternoon service. And then I want to quickly ask you if you would, I know we tend to stick around and fellowship a lot and that's fine, wonderful, but understand the funeral home's going to be coming in, setting up. They're already here in fact, so we're going to ask you to kind of exit rather quickly today if you would, so that they can get in and do what they need to do. Choir, if you'll be here at 145, services begin at 2, but I encourage you to be here a few minutes before. Father, thank you for your presence today and Lord for meeting with us. Lord, thank you that you are the manna of God. That you are the bread from heaven that supplies every one of our needs and sufficient for everything that we face. Thank you for your presence this morning. Bless our afternoon services today. May we commemorate and celebrate Brother Johnny. Lord, we haven't lost him because we know where he is today. We love you and we thank you for loving us in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed this morning, church.